Welcome to this kind of Silicon Valley. Tonight, we'll start with the uh, Sankirtan, congregational chanting of the mantra called the Maha Mantra. It has names of the Supreme, and in the philosophy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, transcendental sound vibration is the connecting factor. There's a way in which there's sound in the spiritual world and there's sound in the material world. The sound in the material world is enervating. That is, it diminishes our energy and enthusiasm, gradually leads to procrastination and depression. Whereas the sound in the spiritual world is uplifting, so much so that by hearing the sounds of the spiritual world, which are imported in capsules called mantras, one can ingest them and feel for oneself a direct connection with the spiritual energy, because that's what it is. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the quintessential book on bhakti yoga, the teaching of Sutta Goswami, he says that by directly connecting with the Supreme, Krishna, one gets immediate benefits. Two of those that he mentions are detachment from bad habits. Although habits are hard to give up, especially bad ones. And where does the strength come from in the first place, one might ask. Well, Sutta Goswami answers that it comes from Krishna. And how do we connect to Krishna? Through the process of yoga. Yoga means to connect. And the most direct way to connect is by the sound vibration. And in, in his doctrine of the sacred sound of the name of God, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu points out that the name is what identifies us. For instance, in this world, if somebody calls out your name or says your name in a crowded room, let's just say everyone's talking, and over the hubbub, you hear your name. Then suddenly, what to speak of if you went on vacation to a far-flung place and you just happen to be walking down an isolated, in an isolated part of town and someone leaned out from the second story window and called out your nickname. Does anybody here have a nickname? Okay, you don't have to tell me. But if someone said your nickname, then you would have an instantaneous sense that somebody here knows me. Because the name is the identifier, and the nickname means somebody who's very confidential is identifying me. And as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught about transcendental sound and the particular effects of it, it's not in a general way, but a very specific way. Specific means that we all have a relationship with the complete whole of which we are a part. Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita, Mamai vamsho jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana manakshastan indriyani prakritistani karshati. 
he mentions that all the living beings are, my, are parts of me. And when the living beings are focused on the material energy, the external energy, and in that state they're not seeing the energy's connection with the complete whole. That's possible for the little parts. They can become disoriented. This is a condition called illusion or avidya, being in ignorance. And this causes fear and struggle, strife of all kinds. So the first effect is overcoming uh, bad habits. It's a phenomena called vairagya, which means that the normal kind of attachment I feel for temporary things which bring what's called in the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu flickering happiness. It's called chapala sukha. It's here and then gone, here and then gone. So I have the, I develop the strength to overcome those things by chanting. These are only concomitant, or they're not the main purpose of chanting, but they happen naturally and one can look for them. And the other is uh, that one comes to a proper orientation of oneself in this universe and an understanding of what one's purpose of life is and a clearer understanding of one's identity as being different from the body. And this is called jnan, or knowledge. As Krishna defines in the Bhagavad Gita, a person who is in knowledge is one who knows the difference between him or herself and the external body. Both the gross material body, the skeleton, the organs and so forth and so forth, and the subtle body or the psychic body that we all have. We have two bodies. So by chanting, one will experience this for oneself. There is a science behind it. One can study the science. One could also simply chant, uh, appreciate the aesthetics of it, and have a modicum of faith in the understanding that there may be some special benediction from chanting, in which case one can let one's guard down and just chant. And it'll be effective that way also, even if you don't have complete knowledge of the science of sound and the difference between material and spiritual world. The chanting itself will bring one to that realization. So we'll start off with a couple of uh, Sanskrit prayers, and then we'll go into the call and response process called Sankirtan. Kirtan means to sing the names of the Supreme, and Sankirtan means to do it together. And the way it works together is someone, and I volunteer, will sing the mantra out loud, solo, and then everyone else, if you'd like to volunteer, you can listen, and then you can, then you can sing it back, repeat, and we'll go back and forth. Does that sound reasonable? Yes. Sound doable? Yes. Let's try. Before uh, continuing our conversation, I offer my respects to the founder Acharya, the 
main teacher of the Krishna Consciousness Movement is Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who in each one of the ISKCONs, which stands for International Society for Krishna Consciousness, sits upon this uh, special seat called the Vyasasana, which is, means that one is representing the tradition and the message that's passed down from one's spiritual master to disciples through uh, a chain of discipline succession. The person who sits on the seat doesn't consider him or herself to be royal, but considers um, him or herself to be a, a representative. So just as um, in ancient times there was a viceroy, and the viceroy would go on behalf of the king to a particular place to, um, as a functionary, and would receive all of the same respect as the king, but never thought, oh, I'm the king. So that's the position. And uh, I offer my respects to all of you who are on the spiritual path, fellow travelers from near and far, Hare Krishna. So the uh, process of spiritual practice as taught by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is in stages because everyone is in a particular position in one's life and we can't act artificially. We have to be who we are and have principles to apply that will be effective. Does that sound reasonable so far? Yes. <laughs> so one of the principles as mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, which is uh, the fundamental text that teaches the process of bhakti yoga or the general practice of spiritual spirituality, how to live a spiritual life. In it, uh, Krishna talks first about how we can have an understanding that we're just passing through this world. We're not here permanently. We're not we don't have to try so hard or save a lot of money for, for being cryogenically frozen because this body will be replaced. Uh, just as we were provided this body without really asking for it, we just sort of showed up. So similarly, there is arrangement already in nature for material facility. And we see it in nature already uh, that squirrels, Somebody corrected me the other day. I was writing a piece and I think I got a little too poetical or romantic about the squirrels and I said that they don't work. They just collect persimmons in the winter and peaches in the summer and they live a happy life. And she said, one of my editors, that's not true. They struggle out there, so all right. They have to work a little bit, California squirrels, but they do get a free coat in the winter, and there's always something around. They didn't get a degree in anything, and they figure out somehow or other how to live outside, which is, doesn't sound so easy to somebody who grew up in a house. Uh, and same true with all living entities. There's a modicum of material facility for everybody, and when we come into this life, 
we may think that I'm my body and therefore I'm an American or I'm an Indian or Canadian or Australian or an African. But <clears throat> the first teaching Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita is that we're, we're not any of these designations. We're a non-designated entity. That is that we're spiritual. We don't belong to the material world. Sometimes it's called the world of names. And as an example, there are lots of names of sporting teams. I don't want you to mention any of them because I don't want anybody to get too excited about their team. But the fact is that these are arbitrary names. People just make them up. And they can be changed at any times. So I will mention one. There was the Brooklyn Dodge, Dodgers, and everyone got upset when they moved to Los Angeles. It's a, and it's not even the same players, but there's a designation of a team name. So just that they're team names, and they're quite arbitrary. So I have a name also that was given to me at birth, and that was arbitrary. They just sat around my parents and thought it up. Said, what do you want to call them? I don't know. What do you want to call them? <laughs> All these designations are changing constantly, including the body. And so Krishna points this out early on in the Bhagavad Gita, where he says that we're changing our bodies all the time. In real time, we're not ever the same body we were even a second ago because we're, we're fluid. We're in motion. Just as a river's in motion, the Mississippi River, M-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, M-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, Mississippi, um, is, is designated, it's a body of water, it's, it's, it's not the same ever, nor has it ever been the same. You can't step in, in the Mississippi River, the same Mississippi River twice, right? Because it's changing, although we say that's the Mississippi River. Same thing with the body. This body is a river, really, of water. It's 75% water. Maybe 78% if you're hydrated properly. And, and it's constantly in flux. And I may designate it a certain way, and as an American or with a particular name, but that's not exactly who I am, even though I identify with it. What to speak of the fact that it's measurable how much we change. When I was a kid, we used to have in one doorway a place where my brother and I would stand and they would put a book or something and then mark the, a line. And we'd come back a couple months later and they'd mark it again. You know, we could see that, that it kept moving. So the body's always moving, always changing. So this is the first thing Krishna says to Arjuna, that the designated body you have right now is not you. You're, you're the passenger in the body but you're not the body. And he says that a person who comes to spiritual realization, and it doesn't matter what culture or what tradition one's from, is somebody who comes, first of all, to understand this fact, I'm not my body. And then if a person develops this, he says, uh, he or she will be tolerant. So this is a theme throughout the Bhagavad Gita, tolerance. It's called titikshava. Everyone please say, Titikshiva. Titikshiva. 
Tzadik Shuvah means tolerant. And so there's a way that we have to tolerate the changes because they're thrust upon us, basically, because we're in a changing world. And although I wouldn't like things to change, they're constantly changing. What to speak of the body, or most of all the body, because it's constantly in flux. And then Krishna makes this astounding statement that just as we're changing from boyhood or girlhood to youth to old age, so similarly, we change into another body at death. That's not the most astounding part of it. That's sort of something we can observe for ourselves, right? Um, of course, maybe changing in the, into another body at death is not commonly known or understood. Could you stop doing that? And so uh, he says at the end of that statement that a person who's spiritually advanced is not disturbed by that change. So that's the part I feel is astounding because I get disturbed by even small changes in weather or if my uh, finances fluctuate or what other, what other fluctuations annoy you? What? Your grades? If your grades fluctuate? <laughs> that can be quite annoying because, you know, it's kept in a record book somewhere and then they look at it later and go, like, how come you had these fluctuations? Uh, any other thing, fluctuations that bo bother you? Yes? Running out of good food. <laughs> Although I haven't seemed to have that problem lately. Um, the mind fluctuates too. Have you noticed the mind some days you're in a good mood and other times it's just you feel like uh, you know, you're a beastly person towards everybody. Somebody says, why are you so beastly? And you say, I don't know, it's just my mind changed. Mood swing, any time can happen. So all these changes are going on. So Krishna says the first sign of spiritual advancement is the uh, spiritual practitioner isn't disturbed by these changes, but then there's a really big change that comes, which is that you have to give up this present body that you may have invested a lot in. Have you invested much in your body? In what ways? Let's name three ways you've invested. Yes? Work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. You know, in fact, it's from the time you're born, parents are waiting, and they're going, come on, grow up, and go to school now, <laughs> because we have a college fund for you, if you're lucky, and we want you to get a good job, and then you got to work. Um, okay, what else have you invested in your body? Food? Pretty much every day? <laughs> Food, sleep, clothes. Clothes takes probably the most work. Which ones to wear? Look in front of the mirror. Is that right? No, it's a little too short. Take it back. That's $100 to alter that. All right, go ahead. I'll have to work harder. So there's changes that go on all the time. But the change, Krishna says, we leave this body. And that's a pronounced type of change leaving this body. You go to a new neighborhood altogether. Of course, we're not really sure where that is when we leave it. It's arranged for us, just like the squirrels have an arrangement for their coat, so we have an arrangement for our 
new body. So the point is that a person who becomes spiritually aware through the practice of yoga then becomes tolerant of these changes because he or she says, sees it's superfluous to my actual nature. I'm not changing, only my external environment is changing. That includes the body and the mind. And even at the time when I leave this body, step out of this body and into another one, I'm still not disturbed. This is uh, a person who's able to do this is called Tira, it's spelled T-H-I-R-A, Tira. You pronounce the H, T, T, like that, try Tira, Tira. So um, one of the uh, effects of chanting Hare Krishna, as I mentioned before, is that you become um, able to give up bad habits, and also along with that, you, you develop this quality of being dhira. You're not upset by changes. Things change. Uh, wait a minute, I thought that I was supposed to get into the school, and it didn't work out. School closed down, turned out there was a Ponzi scheme, and it all collapsed. Uh, whatever it may be, you can make up anything because there's combinations and permutations of all kinds of things that happen in this world that create change, but a person who is dira isn't disturbed by them. So this is the first teaching that Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita. First, and these two go together, you're not your body. The body is a designation, so is your name, and especially so is your sporting team. Don't get all bent out of shape because your team lost. Okay? Say yes. yes. Promise? Yes. From now on, starting in 2022, you, you're dhira, you're undisturbed. Doesn't matter which country wins, right? Say yes. I'm not, quite, I'm not convinced. Yes. All right. So start there. And you, you could work on all the other parts of your life and see that actually these are designations. Not that you have to do it artificially, but it is good to know the basic, the basic understanding and then gradually become more identified with your spiritual identity, which is as a soul. And I'll say one more thing because I want to say the positive thing. Positive thing is, that, and the good news is, that you don't die. And uh, you've always existed and you always will exist. Good news, right? So there, um, there is an occupation for the soul. Uh, it's eternal occupation. And also the soul is described as being blissful, full of knowledge, and... Um, eternality. And so when, as one identifies more and more as the soul, which is our real identity, then we become happy, we become well-adjusted, and um, impervious to the changes of the world for the most part. So before I go to the next lesson of the Bhagavad Gita. Let's have a few questions. Question means there's a question mark at the end, and if it's a good question, it takes us deeper into the subject matter and doesn't throw us into another universe. Yes, Prabhu. Microphone is guaranteed in seven seconds or less, or your money back from today's 
entrance fee from the class. Hare Krishna. Uh, my question is, how can we experience that I am not changing? So, bodily level is changing, mind is changing, but it is said that the soul doesn't change. But how can he experience that? Hare Krishna. You can observe it by looking at some of your baby pictures. If your mom saved anything for you, and I guarantee you she did, there's a box somewhere in her house. And if you go through it, you're going to find the ribbons you won when you were a kid at school. You won a few, right? No? Yes, you did. He's just being humble. He probably won it for calculus when he was in kindergarten. And, and then there's, you know, for your cricket, cricket match, you won, and so forth. And you can look back and you can look at all those and just line them up and see that we're, we're constantly changing bodies and become aware. This is the example that Krishna gives. He says that, um, that, that we go from komara, which means childhood, to a youth to old age. But uh, we can look back and see how that change is happening. And then he says, there's going to be another change. Just like the other changes, just like you gave up your baby's body. So similarly, you're going to give up whatever body you have at a particular point, and you're going to get another body, another material body. Not you guys, you'll get a spiritual body. Thank you, what a good question. Important question. You can also be introspective and notice, for instance, that the body is automatic. In the Bhagavad, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about a person who is uh, sakshi, means a witness, and notices how the body's moving all the time, and the limbs are doing things. For instance, one of the obvious things is digestion. I always marvel at the digestion, especially mine, because uh, I have an unlimited appetite. And, and you know, I, I just eat. And then everything else is done. Never once have I studied digestion. I didn't um, major in it. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't understand it very much. I remember a few experiments about, in lab, about some kind of uh, hormones or re reactions that take place. are very difficult to understand. It's all done automatically. One can notice for, for oneself that the digestion is going on. I have nothing to do with it. And how about the heart? Have you ever had a meeting with your heart? I did once. I took a nap for 21 minutes, and then I was lying on my left side, and as I was coming back into the uh, awakened consciousness, I started becoming aware of my heart. And I had this feeling of gratitude, and I said, thank you. I never thanked you, actually. After all these years, you've been beating and going on, and that's keeping me going, and thanks. And then my heart spoke back to me and said, well, you're welcome, but I'm just doing my duty, and I could stop at any minute. So then I got out of, off the couch, and I sat up, and I thought, I better get busy. Because 
everything's going on in the universe, including our body, which is part of the universe, in an automatic way. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, it's on automatic. So you might notice your digestion, you might notice your heart beating, even breathing. I mean, we can't stop breathing, actually. If you try it right now, go ahead. I'll time you. You give 10 seconds to see if you can stop breathing. Hold on. Go. Okay, that was two seconds over here. Okay, that's 10. You want to go another 10? Yeah? A lot of swimmers in here. Divers. 20. Still good? Another 10? No? Okay, do breathe if you have to. Krishna's very determined, though. He's sitting here. I think he's a deep-sea diver. 31. 34. Don't hurt yourself now. Okay. 40 seconds. That's about it. Of course, if you're practiced at it, maybe a couple of minutes or longer. But that, that's about it. You'll have to start breathing again. There's a breathing machine on your chest. It's going. You can't stop it. It's automatic. It's a, it's a feature of, the, of nature. So you can become aware and notice that all these things are going on automatically, what to speak of your thoughts. And if you become introspective and you stop and you watch how there's an influx of thoughts and ideas that come into your mind, and you're just observing them come in. Have you ever had that time, that uh, um, circumstance where you try to remember somebody's name and goes, what was their name, what was their name? And it just comes in your mind a few seconds later. It's like, how did I know that? So all these facilities, changes are going on and we're the observer of them. You can introspect and see that for yourself. You can logically also understand just the way in language, and language is important, it's the way we designate things. We can tell we're designated because I say, my hand, I don't say, I hand. It's not I hand, it's my hand. It's my head, it's my feet. Same thing, it's my car. But I'm not my car, nor am I my hand. I just have a hand right now, which I very much appreciate. Yes, Prabhu. Okay, there's two questions, and they're online. And the first one, and I can't see that far anymore. Who is it? It's Bhaktin Shraddha. Okay, good. Go ahead, Bhaktin Shraddha. And then, yes. We should be able to read lips by this time in the pandemic. Some of the audience is pointing out that we can't hear you and they don't know how to read lips yet. Hare Krishna, looks like you are muted. Okay, I think I should be audible now. Um, please accept my humble obeisances, Guru Maharaj. Um, we read in Bhagavad Gita that um, we should be equipoised, and especially at the time of death, we do understand it that the soul is migrating. It's just the body that is changing. Um, when it happens to somebody else, like friends or 
far-fetched relatives. We can still adjust to the situation, but a situation like that when it happens in an immediate family, or maybe when it's time for my own parents, how, how can we keep that same composure that we have at the time when you know people not so closely related to we can we can very well understand almost i feel like giving them a lecture on this that it's just the body that's gone and so on and so forth so at that point in time how can we keep ourselves composed and fixed on the principles of bhagavad gita yeah well it's not easy because we're deeply attached to mother and father and other relatives friends and so forth so it's a process. However, if you're fortified with knowledge, you'll know what to do. And I've seen this many times. Well, my god sister um, had um, become a full-time devotee when she was in, I don't know, her early 20s. And her family especially one of her brothers took exception to it, that she wasn't around with, for the family for a long time. And later her mother, much later, her mother was uh, dying. And um, she, the devotee, went home t to be with her mother for the last couple of months. And the rest of the family found it very difficult to be there. I saw this also to some degree in my family, when my uh, mother was leaving, that um, we kind of camped out in my mom's house because it was an important juncture. And um, fortunately, she gave us permission, was into it, but a lot of other relatives uh, said, you take over from here, we don't want to see this. They, um, they didn't know how to deal with it. And so I was comparing notes, because it just so happened I took my, my parents' ashes to, to India to commit to a sacred river at the same time my god sister did, and we rented the same boat to put ashes at the same time. And she was telling her story, I was telling mine, and she was saying how she went home to take care of her mother at that time, and that uh, the relatives, including the brother who she had become estranged from, because he took exception to her uh, extreme spiritualism, uh, especially in her youth. And she knew what to do. She had so much composure because she had studied the science. And although she had compassion, she didn't just tell everybody, hey, she's not her body. Uh, it doesn't really matter. On the contrary, actually, she showed more compassion. But at the same time, she was uh, steady as she did it because she had no eyes of knowledge of what was actually happening. And this is something Krishna brings up in the Bhagavad Gita, yatanto yoginas chayanam pashyantyatman yavastitam yatanto pyakritatmano nainam pashyantyachetasaha. He says in the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that if somebody has cultivated this understanding that you're not your body, and others aren't their body either, and uh, one sees what's going on at the time of death through eyes of knowledge, Whereas if you haven't studied it, he said, then you don't see what's going on, and it's very disturbing. People don't know what to do. So after uh, she had taken care of her mother and seen her off, so to speak, uh, her brother and other family members came to her and said, now we understand after all these years. 
we were to be with her during her life, you were the only one qualified to be with her when she was leaving the, her body. I thought that was an interesting way to put it. And you see that oftentimes, that um, people will come to appreciate that the, the person who has cultivated this throughout his or her life will have a certain kind of composure when others, including loved ones, are leaving their bodies. Composure doesn't mean coldness. It means there's a deep compassion, but there's a kind of um, stoicism in the sense that one has a clear understanding of what to do and what's actually happening, and, it, and there's a calming effect on it. As far as uh, the devotee goes, devotees also feel, um, at least I can speak for myself, when my mother and father died, although I'd cultivated Krishna consciousness for decades, I still felt it. Somebody asked me, how are you doing? I said, I feel like somebody just beat me up. I walked in the, around the wrong corner, and three people pounded on me for a while. That's how I feel. Uh, that's how I felt. And I compare it to, like, if you cut your, your, your hand or something like that. It's not that it doesn't bleed just because you're a devotee. So we have a psychic body also. And although we have a higher perspective and an understanding of who we are and who others are, loved ones and so forth. If, if we're cut psychically, we also bleed a little bit. But we also know how to process it as well. And there's ways of getting closure. In fact, I find in my life, and this was told to me by God brothers who were way senior to me. Of course, my parents were really old when they had me, so my parents passed away pretty earlier a little earlier in my life than some people. But he said it's like actually in your spiritual path, being around when people leave before you can be very eye-opening and inspiring, not a confusing and demoralizing. And I found that to be true also. I was, um, it felt like tent posts coming out. You know the part I was talking about, about the world of names? I remember my spiritual master, he had written poetry after he had taken sannyas, become a monk when he was older, renounced the world, and then he was writing poetry, and in one of it he was saying, remembering all his relatives who had, gone, who had already passed, and he said, now there are only a list of names. And so as the tent posts come out, and you see that actually people are, are just passing through, you start to, to also the philosophy that we're talking about right now solidifies. There's a, a strong realization of it. It's hard to know until it happens how well you'll process it, but you will. Because I always wondered, although I lived a life in Krishna consciousness, how will I handle it when my parents leave? And then I found out. And everything gets integrated when you're... It's a holistic... A spiritual life is holistic. You have to take in everything that's happening. You don't isolate... Uh, incidents from the material world side by side you have to integrate them into your life and then process them through eyes of knowledge and when you do that you become stronger and able to walk in the world with compassion but also in, in a reasonable way understanding what's really going on does that help Bhakti Shraddha? yes Guru Maharaj okay. that does <coughs> I'm so happy Hare Krishna Hare Krishna okay there was Vatsalya. Vatsalya. 
हरे कृष्ण गुरु महाराज प्लीज एक्सेप्ट माई हार्ट फेल्ट ओबेसेंसेस माई क्वेश्चन इज इज माइंड मोर रिलेटेड टू द बॉडी और इज माइंड मोर रिलेटेड टू द सोल एंड वट आर द पॉसिबल थिंग्स दैट सोल कैरीज फ्रॉम फ्रॉम पास्ट लाइफ टू दिस लाइफ और वुड कैरी इन फॉर द लाइफ टू if if mind is related to the body and not to the soul then how is soul carrying all that memory what an excellent question i'll answer it with an example of a smartphone cuz a smartphone has software and it also has hardware and also has a user so in that that analogy the body the hardware is right here you got bones and blood and so forth so the earth water fire air ether these are uh well earth water fire air are are gross elements and they're definitely in here because if you've ever burned a body or watched one burn and you get the result it's a, a box of kind of looks like uh dirt from your backyard and you can't sell it on eBay even for $3.52. Um <laughs> it's just chemicals. And so that's the gross body and then the subtle body is the as I mentioned before the psychic body. That's like the software that runs the body. That's called the mind, the intelligence and the ego. Those are three uh designated elements of the subtle body. So we have two bodies, two uh, physical bodies actually. One's gross and the other's subtle. and when we we the soul the operator of the body that animates the mind and the intelligence that's what makes it look like it's alive because we're there like if you have a stained glass window it looks dead until you put a light on it and then you go ooh look at that look at all the patterns so when we leave the body we have a subtle body that goes with us back to the cell phone when somebody's cell phone breaks you know freak out because all they have to do is go get another one and as we all know because we're from silicon valley you were smart enough to back everything up right <laughs> you just put it back on the hardware and you're ready to go again um so in a similar way when we leave this body we take with us the software it's downloaded and it comes with us and that that's why we have uh propensities and characteristics that begin to manifest as we become conscious of our body everyone has their own nature and those are the impressions that we've accumulated in our software like apparatus called the mind and the intelligence over many lifetimes over many lifetimes which means that it's all in there so we have those impressions since a time immemorial traveling from one physical body to the next so the answer is uh we're actually not permanently connected to the mind or the body it only comes with us uh while we're in the material environment but we the soul uh have nothing to do with matter actually asango hyam purusha we have no association or connection to it
in a dream, you might have a connection to a tiger. And you'll be sleeping, and then your roommate will be looking, and your eyes, rapid eye movement is going more and more, and then maybe your breathing picks up, and maybe twitching, because you're trying to run from the tiger. But your roommate doesn't see any tiger, you see tiger. So the mind conjures many different kinds of circumstances, ideas, perspectives, and we go through many different match, machinations because of the, what we're watching on our mind's screen. Satisfied? Okay, next, yes, Guru. next time you'll have to play us a tune on one of those guitars. <laughs> yes, Guru Maharaj, I win. Okay, did anybody ask, want to ask one more question? There's another one on the board. Hi, Krishna Guru Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisances. I'm Rajiv from Japan. Konnichiwa. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Uh, yes, Guru Maharaj. <laughs> yes. Uh, Guru Maharaj, uh, you quoted uh, the verse uh, like uh, regarding the duality. And you talked about the dhira, uh, getting dhira. So I was wondering, like, uh, this is only uh, we can get uh, this, uh, uh, this state by only spiritual practice or also our, like, family at atmosphere where we grown up or also has some, uh, uh, say, some effect. Because uh, uh, probably I am doing uh, this spiritual practice since long, but still I, I react with the, when the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita said the matras so when the uh, the, uh, the atmosphere changes we, we usually we react with with the uh, with, with that that particular uh, point so I don't see in, in part, particularly in my case I don't see any improvement like I still I'm still reacting with the uh, you know when the uh, the uh, the situation changes. So how can I improve? Or another question is, it, it is only... Wait, wait, one uh, at a time, one question at a time. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, our, uh, there's nurture nature, of course. There's a way that we may be born into, because of our karma, a, uh, we, may ha we may naturally have propensities towards being more patient than others because of the modalities we've acquired. Purusha prakriti stohi bhunte prakriti jan gunan kananam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janvasu. Quoting from the Bhagavad Gita for authenticity. So in the Gita, Krishna says that as we move about the world in one life or another, we're associating ourselves in various ways by our cho the choices that we make. And because of that, we acquire the modes of the modalities of nature. And those are defined in the Bhagavad Gita as goodness, passion, and ignorance, and they, they um, induce us to act in certain ways. And so if somebody's born in a family that's more towards goodness, sattva, and let's say they have parents that are very patient and so forth, then it's likely that such a person in that, that environment will naturally have that quality because they're more tinged by goodness, whereas somebody else... Maybe they're in a passionate environment and they learn it from their parents. You know, everything comes on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then the, the kids pick that up and it, it just becomes part of the, their psyche. So 
uh, yeah, it does matter, the environment that we're in and who we learn from, that's part of our, uh, the nature that we acquire because of our associations, and we take birth in that way. And we can improve ourselves by improving our associations, even in this life. Therefore, Krishna recommends in the Bhagavatam, 11th Canto especially, devotes a whole chapter to talking about cultivating sattva, being around sattvic people, having sattvic habits in one's life, that's a whole other topic. But if you do that, then there's ways in which that you'll start to notice the change. I always notice what I associate with various types of uh, friends. For instance, for on traveling trips, I'll go away uh, and I'll be around somebody for a month, let's say. Stop in, pick them up in another country, we go to India, we, whatever, we go here, there, and everything. Come back and then someone will say, hey, you're acting like such and such. Have you ever noticed that? And uh, you, you pick up the qualities from, from people. So one of the most important ways that we can improve ourselves is by finding good association and then uh, being around those people that already have the qualities. They tend to get in us. Guru Maharaj, I think it's also, you've already answered my second question. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good to see you. Hare Krishna. Jai.